to the Abba Father broadcast. I pray God will show you just how much He loves you today as we meditate in His Word together. You can reach me at davidspires.org, but for now, let's go straight into the Word recorded live at the Epicenter. My study today brought me to this. God wants sons and He wants daughters. He doesn't want slaves and He doesn't want servants. Okay, He wants children. He wants a family to share His life and His love with. Amen? You know, God created man for intimacy. He created us to be objects of His affection, not of His wrath. Okay? You know the lake of fire? It says it's prepared for the devil and his angels. That's in Matthew 25, 41. It's not prepared for man. Uh, but He created us to be objects of His affection and His mercy. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. And I'm just going to go through a few scriptures. They're on the playlist if you want to read them. But it says that uh, God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord, uh, that He might make known the riches of His glory on the vessels of mercy which He has prepared before, and that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us through Christ. So see, God created us for intimacy, and He created us to, to bless us. I mean, how many of you, know, you want to have some children? You have your children so they can be objects of your love and affection, right? And to share your life and your love. Well, that's what, that's what God intended for us. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. It says, Now, beloved, we are the sons of God. This is in John 3, 1. Okay, so we're called the sons and daughters of God. That's pretty intimate, isn't it? Okay, now the Scripture says that God is our daddy, Amen. How many heard my last sermon? I want to detail on that. The Bible says all over the place that, that Jesus is our spouse. He's the bridegroom and we're the bride, right? And it talks about the Holy Spirit being our comforter. Okay? So, you know, these are terms of endearment, right? Daddy, spouse, comforter. These are terms of endearment. So see, that's what God has in store for us is intimacy. You know, and I tell you, in my travels, I've been blessed. I've traveled around the world and been in a lot of places. But I, I tell you, most people do not want intimacy with God. I think it's very evident that Jesus destroyed the temple, didn't He? He destroyed the priesthood. Just to get His point across, He scattered them throughout the whole world. For, for the most part, He destroyed all religion as we know. He said, commanded all men everywhere to repent and to believe the gospel. Get rid of all your religions. It's time for a new, a new thing, right? But you know what? I've noticed that all, you know, I've been to India, Thailand, I've been to all these places. I just got back from Rome, Italy. Um, but I've found that all people and cultures, they prefer priests and religion over intimacy with God. Does anybody feel me out there? You know what I'm talking about? But let me tell you something very emphatically. Jesus does not want anybody between you and Him. Nobody. No priest and no religion of any kind does Jesus want between you and Him. Amen? That's why the veil in the temple was ripped. Okay? Get the point? Nobody between you and Him. Okay, Romans 8.15 says, You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Daddy, Father. Galatians 4, 6, Because you are dear sons, God has sent forth His Spirit of His Son into your heart, crying, Daddy, 
Father. Okay, now, do you have a daddy relationship with God? It says right there, you should have if you've got the Holy Spirit. Do you have this kind of affection and intimacy that you call God daddy? But you know what? This is what God wants. Okay? He wants you to call Him Daddy. He wants you to have that affection. He wants you to have that intimacy with Him. He doesn't want to be some distant judge that's going to whack you one day when He finally judges you. No, He wants you to call Him Daddy. Okay, how about this verse? I know that scares a little some of you guys. I know that. Isaiah 62.5 As a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry thee. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. For your Maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is His name, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. And you know, in many, many scriptures talk about Jesus being the bridegroom and the believer being the bride. Can I get an amen? Okay. 2 Corinthians 11, 2, I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. So, let me ask something. Do you have this marriage relationship with God? Do you have this daddy relationship with God? You know, when the Scripture talks about God being our husband, our spouse, when it talks about God being our daddy, what he's talking about is being intimate with God. Not some distant judge, okay? But somebody that's intimate and very close with you. So we should have this intimacy also with the Holy Spirit, right? Father, Son, we've got to get the Holy Spirit in there, right? But Scripture calls the Holy Spirit our comforter, our helper, our intercessor, our teacher. These are terms of endearment, okay? John 14, 6, I will pray to the Father, Jesus talking, and He shall give you another comforter. You know, out of all the terms that Jesus could have used to describe the Holy Spirit as some of the apostles did, Jesus chose the word comforter. This is a very endearing term and a term of intimacy. You see, folks, God wants to be your daddy. He wants to be your spouse. He wants to be your comforter. The question is, are you going to give it to him? Are you going to give him the love that he wants? You know what I think? I think worship, you know what I think real worship is? Worship is just being intimate with God. And you, know, and you don't have to go to church to worship God. You don't have to go to a temple to worship God. All you got to do is close your eyes, because guess what? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let me show you this. If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come into him and make our abode with him. So we got, we got the Father and Jesus wanting to come into you, your temple. That's intimacy. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come into him. Is that intimacy? God coming into you? That's pretty, pretty awesome to think. You've got the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in your temple. That's why it says if you defile the temple, He'll destroy you. But He's talking about who you're worshiping. It's only reserved for the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay. And I want to say this, the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go whenever you sin. You know, you ever get that, oh, I want to pray today, I sin, let somebody else pray. You ever feel like that? But the Holy Spirit does not come and go because of sin. He really doesn't. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's no qualification there. If you don't sin, then I won't leave you. No, He never leaves you. 
Okay. The only thing is, we just we just need to be aware of his presence more, you know. And I think when we when we become aware, we take time to be aware of his presence, then we feel like God's our daddy. We feel like Jesus is our spouse, and we feel like the Holy Spirit is comforting us. You know, because God God's love. Let me, let me show you this. Let's get down to a practical. Let me let's break it down more practical. To be intimate with God, you first have to know that you're totally holy and you're totally righteous. You're totally loved and you're totally perfect in His sight. You have to really know that in your heart in order to feel that intimacy. Because your, your love, God's love for you, is not based on what you do. Let me put it, your righteousness is not based on what you do. Your holiness is not based on what you do. God's love for you is not based on what you do. It's based on what you believe. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God, and he was called the friend of God. See, Abraham was justified by his faith, not by his works. It's almost like, you know, I think, you know, some people think it just depends on how good they, well, let me put it this way. People think their relationship with God is based on their good works, how, how good they've been. But, you know, it's kind of like this. Let, let's say you're swimming towards the shore. Let's say God's on the shore, and you're out here swimming towards God, so to speak, you're swimming toward perfection. Okay, now you can be 50 feet away from the shore. You can be 500 feet away from the shore. You can be five miles out there. And you're steadily swimming, trying to get to the perfection of God, but you know what? You never get there. Everybody's going to die before they ever reach the perfection of God. And I want you to contrast that with the ark. Okay? So here you are on the ark. You know, you're just floating on the water. You're taking it easy up there, right? Now let me just say this. If God's really going to get all the glory then God's got to do all the work. You think you're going to hold on to the ark with the other hand kind of paddling, trying to help God keep the ark up, trying to, trying to help save yourself a little bit? It's not going to work that way, you know? And, you know, I look at all this, you know, people that are on the ark, you know, we're saved and we're not working. We're just, we're up there on the ark, you know, we've got our deck chairs out. As we're dancing, we're having a good time, right? We look down in the water, people out there still are swimming and working and trying to work their way to God. And we're down there saying, hey, stop working, man. Just get on the ark. Just get in the ark. And you ever want to, this kind of hung me up today. You know, there's the ark that Moses, I mean, that Noah had, right? And then there's the ark of the covenant. You ever thought about that? These kind of things mess me up a little bit. But the two arks, and they both represent salvation, but on, in the ark of the covenant, what's on top of the ark of the covenant? It's the mercy seat, man. See, it's the mercy of God that is above the law of God, above all those laws and rules and regulations. The mercy is above. It's not about works of righteousness that we've done, but according to His mercy, He has saved us. That's Titus 3.5. So tonight, I'd just like to invite you to just get on the ark. Stop swimming. Stop working. Come on and get some rest. Relax. Okay? Um, he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give rest to your soul. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeah, it's easy on the ark. So there's rest on the ark. But you know, if you really want to rest in the Lord, you really got to figure out who Jesus is. Okay? Now just let me say this. Jesus, behold the Lamb of of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's who Jesus is. He takes away your sin. 1 Peter 2.24 Jesus bare 
our sins and His body on the tree. Okay? And God made Jesus to be sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Did you know that the moment that God put all the sin on Jesus, remember God had to turn His back, that moment that He put all the sin of the world on Jesus and turned His back on Jesus, that's the moment that He made you completely righteous. Jesus got what you deserved so you can get what He deserves. Amen? And you know, that's not fair, is it? God to take all the sins of the world and put on a totally righteous perfect. That wasn't fair, was it? And you know, and God wasn't playing either. God really punished Jesus, didn't He? Really punished Him. But you, you, know what's, well, you know what else is not fair? Us being totally, completely righteous. That's not fair either. But you know what? Welcome to the good news, folks. Welcome to the gospel. All we got to do is believe it. Amen? Okay. And you know, when you get this revelation, when you really get it, you're going to become powerful. You're going to become holy. You're going to become righteous. And all those evil spirits of religion and fear, man, they will be removed. It says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 And it says we haven't received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So when you receive the Holy Spirit, there's no more need for religion. So I'm telling you, I've been all over. I've been to all these temples. And I'm telling you, most people, even some Christian-type temples, if you know what I mean, people serve God out of fear. And it's not out of the love, out of the daddy, out of the spouse, out of the comforter. But it says He's not giving us that spirit of fear. But we're adopted now. We're sons and daughters. Okay? So, I just want to tell you tonight, you know, that... that that if you don't know God as Daddy tonight, and if you don't know Jesus as your spouse, and you don't know the Holy Spirit as Comforter, then what kind of relationship do you have with God? Think about that. It's just a religious, stale relationship, isn't it? There's no intimacy there. But you know, that's not what God wants tonight. He wants us to turn it all around tonight. He wants us to get in our closet tonight when nobody will think we're a freak and say, Daddy, he wants us to talk to Jesus like He's our first love. Like He's our spouse. And He wants us to, to, to have the Holy Spirit feel like He's really comforting us and being our friend. That's the, the intimacy that God wants with us tonight. And, um, you know, and, and I just want to close with this. Is that, you know, I know it sounds strange you know, to a lot of people. You know, Jesus is coming back for a bride. Did you know that? He's not coming back for some people that religiously worship Him. Jesus is coming back for a bride. Jesus is coming back for people that love Him. That's the people that He is going to be excited to see. Okay? And you know, it all starts... Let me, let me just help you out, okay? Just start calling God Daddy in your closet. Okay? Don't do it in public because people think you're a freak like me. You don't want that. Just start calling... And I guarantee you something's going to happen down in your spirit. Start talking to Jesus like your spouse. Start talking to Jesus like your fiancé. How I many of you whisper sweet little nothings, right? Try being that sweet to Jesus and see what happens. Oh, I know religion don't like this. Religion wants you to fear and be reverent. I'm for goodness sake. Don't dance and sing and shout and get intimate with God. you got to stay in fear, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. And I'll just close with this for the third time. It all started with me when I just started saying, God, I love you. 
I mean, I went for years being a Christian without really telling God that I loved Him. So it all just starts with just telling God you love Him, telling Jesus you love Him, tell the Holy Spirit that you love Him. You know, the Holy Spirit is a person. I wish I had time to preach on that. But you know, the Holy Spirit is a person, just like the Father, Son. Tell the Holy Spirit, you just start there. Okay? You start there and get back with me later and tell me how much God bless you. All right? Praise the Lord.